Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my gosh, that would have been amazing. Flo, you should have done it. Nothing <laughs> off guard. Hi everyone, how you doing? Welcome to Writer's House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. Today, we're going to be talking about the fans being back in the Premier League at the weekend. We're going to give flowers to Paul Pogba and Trevor Shalabar. A little look ahead to Arsenal versus Chelsea. And finally, some love for my hero, Gerd Muller. And my guest today, Mr. Musa Kwonga, and for the first time, making a debut on Writer's House, I'm so happy to have Florence Lloyd-Hughes. Florence, how the devil are you? I'm all right, Righty. How are you? Really good. How are you doing, Moose? I'm great. I'm living the dream. Yeah, living the, how comes? What? What? Just, Nas- just because. National pride. Look at this national pride. Oh my gosh, how great! <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to speak about them as well. You're obviously, Moose and his Man United. Manchester United shirt there. Yeah, because we're on the, the, the zoo, I can't see the I can't see the badge, so I didn't realize it was a Man United shirt. I just thought it was just an Adidas shirt. And now Man's just throwing Man United in my face, and they were <laughs> They were amazing. Huh. They were at their mischievous best. They were. I've got, to, I've got to enjoy it while it lasts, right? You know, Ian, got to enjoy it while it lasts. Flo, what game did you go this weekend? Uh, so last week I was at three. So I was at the Valley on Tuesday night okay, for Charlton yes. AFC Wimbledon. Then I was at Brisbane Road on Wednesday night for mm. Leighton Orient QPR. And then yeah. I was at Plough Lane on wow. Saturday. First full house at Plough Lane since 1991. What are the fans like? Oh, amazing. It was, I mean, obviously we, like the Premier League kicked off with that Friday night game and mm. and those Brentford tears. And, and it was more of the same really on Saturday because... It was it was like an emotional family reunion. Loads of loads of people just in tears, just yeah. even before the game had started, because yeah. it's been such a long journey for them to get back to back back there. And um, yeah, it was like a family reunion. And so many people who obviously hadn't seen each other in in over a year because of the pandemic. It was mm. just lovely. It was so nice. I felt quite emotional because I was there at the Brentford, and even with them walking in, speaking to fans, they were so happy to see you. Everything what was going on with that. But there was a, a sense of when the fans started to to come in and you could feel the, the noise in the in the stadium, because we was pitch side, the noise in the stadium, guys, start to rise. It really started to get like, oh my gosh. It was wow. so I was so emotional and so happy. I had a load of kids around me and lots of older people. It really it was a it was a lovely experience, to be honest. Do you know what's funny? You see some ferocious home performances actually, oh, first gosh. game of the season. Yes. The way Gladbach came out against Bayern, the way Dortmund came out in the Bundesliga, mm. and they were going at the necks. And I think, and also you look, you know, some some teams are just not prepared for the moment. I think you're right because who is it? Is it Gerard Piquet said, you know, playing these games without fans, it felt like um, like a training session sometimes. Mm. It, it was very very honest for him to admit that. Yeah, la- last season I, like, I interviewed a lot of of managers about this, and, and Gary Rowett, the the Millwall manager, mm. come February time, he was like, "This is miserable." Like we're, we're just trying to get through at this rate. Like this yeah. is not a pleasurable experience. This is not enjoyable. This is not fun. Like we are just counting down the weeks and days to the end of the season mm. because wow. we don't want to be here without fans. But it's, but it's, but it's, it's true, Flo. I, 
after a while, we're doing it because everybody's got to get on with getting this done so as we can move on to the next, whatever, where, wherever we're going with the football. But it, it's really hard for me to watch football with that kind of vibe in my head. Like, oh, let's just get this done. It's not mm-hmm. how I watch football. How I watch football is how I watch the Brentford game. How I watch the games, the match of the day on the Saturday where you're just seeing just goals and just noise. Well, you want it to be joyful, right? You yeah. want it to be joyful and, and the, the joy was sapped out of it, but now it feels like it's back. And even watching highlights, it has so much more energy to it. I mean, match mm, of the day yeah. was 10 times better with fans. The EFL highlights was 10 times better with fans because it just lifts everything. It lifts it lifts the players, it lifts the managers, it it lifts the quality of the football. The momentum as well, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, the thing is, Flo, as well, like watching these games, it's like, I look back and think, wow, it was actually tough viewing. Even the biggest matches, like with those empty stadiums, because you're, what you're doing is, it's like, um, I mean, I'm a poet, so I'm used to this, but performing to like empty venues, right? You're very, <laughs> that's a are, you, are you basically saying that's something you're used to? Is that what Yeah, absolutely. That's my energy. Yeah, once. I'm, I'm only happened once. No, many times. I'm a poet, so all the time, actually, I've never really had crowds. But so you always have to generate your own energy. And it's very difficult for someone that thrives off that environment to have to go into a space yeah. and create your own. That yeah. makes sense. And I don't yeah, know, I think it's a credit, sense. yeah. Especially those players that are more kind of like performative. Because, you know, there's those yeah, that like being yeah. the kind of yeah. the villain. You know, what do you do if you like, you don't get to be the villain? Like, how yeah, do you yeah. manage that? Yeah. Can I be totally honest? I, like I always said, and we've said on this um, the podcast, I probably struggle playing that kind of, playing in that kind of um, atmosphere. But at the same time, because I scored a lot, I scored some cool goals in training. And that would kind of replicate what training yeah. would be like. But what I saw especially, and we're, I'm, gonna, I'm going straight, I'm going to United. I know we're going to speak about Arsenal and everything. But I'm going to United because what I saw from Bruno Fernandes was somebody that was playing the game as if, you know something, I'm going to give you all a taste of what I'm, I'm kind of, what I can do without, without fans here. Yes. When the fans came in, the man's just gone to another level of performance. <laughs> yes. That was, that was it's almost like he said, I'm announcing myself, this is it. I'm announcing myself now. Because what I saw of him and Pogba, um, we have to speak about Pogba and that Graham Sooners fuckery, the other, what was going on the other day. Wild. Oh God, the disrespect. What I saw from Pogba and Fernandez and, and, and Greenwood, even Lindelof with his part, the whole Man United team is another team that I'm looking at that said, we're here to play now. We're here to party. I think it was like, because Bruno Fernandez. I mean, you're just calling Bruno Mars at this point. Like Bruno just this, Mars, man. Just just the way moves. in relation Bruno to ultra, yeah, the Uptown <laughs> Funk, it was just that. It's like the way he went in, it was like, this man is a born conductor, performer, showman. And Old Trafford is like, you know, it is actually a stage mm. and you have to take it with a yeah, bit of arrogance. Yeah, it's, it's arrogant, yeah. This is the thing I was saying that that's what I love about, I love about like Rafa Varane going on there and taking a selfie in front of oh the crowd. Gosh, it's awesome. The composure to turn your phone, get to the right app and get a good selfie shot in front of 75,000 people yeah. and everyone's going wild. That is actually quite gangster. But I loved when he was getting in, in, coming out, the, out um, the tunnel and someone said, oh, there's this shirt, just bring this shirt. And he said, yeah, okay, cool, let me bring this shirt. He's going out there because the man is so composed and so ready for this. And when you go to Man United, you don't normally get Real Madrid players going to Manchester United. So we don't really see that kind of energy from a player that comes to a place with the magnitude of Manchester United and just own it. And he's won everything already. This is the wild thing. This is a new challenge. And fancy being able to get a new challenge at a team like Manchester United. It's it's like, 
70,000 people and you're just, I'm ready for this. In because your late twenties. Oh my yeah. gosh. This is a great signing. Yeah. I'm a great really signing. We talk about mentally, physically, in respects of what he brings from experience level. This is, this is a very exciting um, signing for Man United. And the way he dealt with that, the crowd was like, yeah, it was gangsterish. It was Tony Montana. Can I say something as well? I want to throw things as well, actually randomly on a tactical thing for United. There's so much talk about a need for a defensive midfielder, and there is one, but a player like that is so good. With him and Maguire, with Maguire and Varane, they will cover a multitude of sins. They're so good, they will mop up a lot oh, of trouble. Gosh. Especially with McTominay and Fred improving. That gap mm. between the defence and the, and the midfield is already smaller by virtue of Varane being there because mm. he's light and quick. No, but did you see though, Flo, what I noticed more than anything is the way that, obviously we saw Pogba with his four assists, but the way McTominay was blasting forward and somebody stayed, the way that Fred in the end got forward, scored his goal. Yes, it was like late on in the game and they, were, they dismantled leads, but there's a different kind of chutzpah about, um, yeah. about Manchester United yeah. where it's almost like, Okay, we've had a few seasons where it's not quite clicked in that. And Ole, come on, man, he's, he's doing it. I remember saying about if, just, which, will, which will, I will have to carry like baggage for the rest of my life, saying that if Mikel had that team, he'd win the league. Mikel Arteta would win the league with the Man United squad. But you look at that squad and I think to myself, this team should be playing better, a lot better than they've played what, since they've been under Ollie and slowly, slowly, right. they've, they've got better. And then that game at the start of the season, it's, very, it's early. I don't want to, I'm not going too early, but that game, if that is a sign of what's to come, then honestly, it's, it's trouble because we haven't even mentioned Mason Greenwood. Yeah. I think, I think there's a trust and a confidence that didn't exist before with him. Mm. Um, I think... <clears throat> He obviously has a huge reputation and there, there's a, a bond that he has with the club and the players mm. because of his status and they, yeah. they respect him. But I feel yeah. like there wasn't necessarily a trust in his coaching ability and his wisdom yeah. in that sense. I feel mm -hmm. like maybe at times people didn't believe him in internally and, out, and externally. But I think there has been a shift. I mean, I still don't think that they're going to win the league. I still think City or, or Chelsea will probably win the league, but I think they're going to push them all the way. And I think that's what's important. And I think around around the ground and in the fans as well, there's been a an important reset and refresh because the last couple of years with fans in Old Trafford have been tense, have been tough at times, and, and it hasn't been a happy audience or a happy crowd. But that was the perfect way to say, right, you're back. You know, we know you're paying a load of money. We know you're upset about the Super League. But mm. we're gonna we're gonna rebuild those really important bonds, and it's. I mean, that could be a game, a season-defying moment for them. We've got to mention Mason Greenwood, you know, alongside who is it? I think I, I read the other day it was Norman Whiteside and George Best players to get to thirty goals in their tw not even reaching twenty yet. He's got thirty now. George Best thirty-seven. Norman Whiteside thirty-nine, and. What I saw of him the other day um, was almost like, right, he gets it. He's focusing, he's blasting now. He gets it the way he played, the way he obviously understands Pogba, who was like, he was amazing. It was, it was an amazing performance. And obviously Bruno, Bruno Mars Fernandez, you know, <laughs> he's, um, <laughs> he, he's got to get the plaudits for that hat trick. But I, 
I believe that Pogba, again, if that's his levels where the, this, this place is in for a treat. He's locked he's in, isn't he? That. He looks he's absolutely locked in, locked in I'm gonna, and yeah. rested. Yes. And also like, I wouldn't say angry because it's hard to gauge anger from a distance, but there's an intensity. You saw it actually in Erling Haaland. There's an intensity that certain players have started the season with. I wouldn't say it was a point to prove, but it's like, this is my platform and I own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Pogba was painting. No, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was putting up sculptures on, on that pitch, but <laughs> Greenwood's movement in particular and the finishing, like, you know, there's, there's a, a third type of, a certain type of finisher that hits that inside pocket of the far post. He right? does it. You know, you know Rob, what I mean? Robbie like, you know, Fowler. Yeah. Robbie, yeah, Robbie Fowler. Fowler that and also Ian Rush as well. Rushy. I said this, it reminded me of those, of those, of those two. And then I also say it's a Van Nistelrooy in that sense. To see Pogba with his, obviously with his four, his four assists. And then you're getting, again, Graham Soonis, he cannot, he can't contain himself. For him to say, why can't Pogba do that every week? No one could do that every week. But at the same time, you'll watch Pogba on a weekly basis. And he does enough for me in every game to influence a game majorly. I mean, on his day, there's not a better creative midfield. I think there's not a better one that they're as good. On his day, he's as good as De Bruyne. But I think at Pogba's peak, peak De Bruyne is not better than peak Pogba. They're, 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 to me, they're indivisible in terms of quality, in terms of their innovation, creativity, mm. skill level, goal scoring. They're absolutely peak. And I think the thing is, Pogba was in his preferred position. Mm. He said this on stadium. He was like, just, he was just yeah, roaming. Yeah. He was up there. Yeah. Go and play. He's in his sixth season. and. If we're going to be totally honest, we've not seen, obviously, I think the crowd makes a massive difference to someone like Pogba. Coming back, he's like gone to another level of himself. But he's in his sixth season. and I don't think I've seen him that good. I've seen him do stuff. Well, he, struggled. Where he struggled to keep fit, hasn't he? The last couple of years, especially. So this is, if he can stay fit, this season could be a ridiculous one. Like he could... could yeah post some absurd numbers if he can stay fit. And if, if he's trusted to be that guy, if, yeah. if Solskjaer says, yeah, do it like that, the, you know, we can find the right person who will play more defensively and, and provide that security for you. So mm. you can just be let loose because mm. that's what he needs. He needs that freedom. And I think he, I think he does enjoy the responsibility as well. Like mm. he embraced that on, on Saturday and it was unbelievable. Also, moving on from United, are we giving Pogba the flowers? Because I wanted to speak about another player quickly. Um, and obviously Arsenal are going to be playing Chelsea. We have to speak about Trevor Shalabon. I saw a beautiful thing um, where he, when his mum, his mum passed, um, 2016, I think it was. And he says, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do it, mum. And, and I watched him in the preseason game against Arsenal. And I know that his brother Nathaniel's the one that's always been He's going to be this. He's going to be that. Gareth Southgate loved him. I thought that Nathaniel would have broken in and got into that England side because I remember when Gareth came and he, I think we played against Germany where Loftus-Cheek got the, the man in the match. I think Shalabar was in that squad because that's what he's thinking. Nathaniel Shalabar is somebody that I feel is, can do something. But this is the brother that's been there since he's eight. He's been on loan various places. He's been to Ipswich. He's played 188 games on loan. He's been Ipswich, Huddersfield, he's went to Lorient and he stayed there. He's behind, he's behind all of them. He's behind Christensen, God. he's behind Tomori's gone now. Gwehi's gone now, but he's been there. The manager said that, you know something, the way he's worked, the way he's played, he deserves his chance. Watching him against us in the preseason friendly, I was thinking, wow, maybe it's just the preseason he looks good. Watched him against Villarreal 
And I thought, my God, he's really good. And when you watch him get on loan, you think he's really looks smooth. You know what he reminded me of? Not the same player, not the same stature, but the way Virgil van Dijk played when he played for Celtic, people were saying, oh, he's just taking liberties just because, just because he's good and it's not a great standard. I watched him play for Ipswich a couple of times and he played in that vein where you think, well, I'd like to see him against better quality. Watching him against Villarreal, like I say, watching him against Arsenal, a breeze, and then the other day against Palace. So again, Palace didn't put a glove on them, but anything that Matete done, anything that Zaha done, he dealt with it. But then his progression of the ball is, you know, I mean, getting forward, tackling, and then the goal, and then the emotion. Because what people don't understand is that emotion, what you get when, when you score a goal that you know is a significant goal. And the only one I can remember for myself was coming on in that cup final against United. And when I scored that goal, I t- I'd instantly burst into tears because the realisation of what just happened, it kind of hit you. Because while you're doing your stuff, you go bam, bam, you go through, you score. And then when I ran away, it all just hit me. And that's the same thing what happened with him. When he scored the goal, put his hands up, then all of a sudden, obviously he remembers his mum, remembers right. his journey, remembers what he's been through, burst into tears. And it really, really made me feel, it made me feel like, so warm because it's, so it's the journey's you know this is like the yes. journey's end it's the journey's end it's like that moment when you see it it's like um ryan and i talk about this a lot there's certain moments when players score goals and flo you'll have seen this as well with certain players they score a goal and they almost can't believe it because they know their life has changed mm. you know they're mm. running away from goals shaking their heads and they're like oh my goodness like yeah i, I just don't understand how you can compose yourself after that moment as well and then play the rest of the game. Like, how do you do that? Because the 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 tension, the adrenaline, the the emotion, you, you'd be probably physically shaking. And then mm. to compose yourself and then play the rest of the game, keep a clean sheet, it's, it's mad because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how anyone does it. Yeah, it's a good question, bro. Flo, can I jump in? Some of them don't. Like, look at Mario Goetze, that World Cup final. Oh my gosh, yeah. You, you literally, you see the look on his face after he scored. He yeah. walked around for the last few minutes just like, I've, what, what have I done? Happened. He was like, What's, what have yes. I done? Yeah. yeah. I felt like England maybe were a bit like that in the Euros final. Shaw scoring so early, it was a bit like, ah, what do we do now? Like, we can't cope with the prospect of, you know, potentially winning the Euros. It's weird because you've still got to be in the game and present, but you're still thinking about what people are going to be saying or what's going to happen after the game. What they're going. I had already basically booked to get a tattoo of an inflatable unicorn. So if that was me, what were they doing? Do you know what I mean? Oh if that God. was me, so uh, uh, I can understand how you could easily wow. lose your head because I had fully wow. lost my head. Uber, oh Uber my tattoos God. are going to come to your door and deliver it. You're just going to put your arm out the door. On Instagram in half time being like, this guy looks good. Yeah, let's DM him. Like, I wonder if he has any bookings next week. Yeah. What's he going to put a unicorn on? Yeah, it was going to be, so I, I mean, my friend was going to get Saka on the unicorn because he's an Arsenal fan. But as I'm not mm. an Arsenal fan, I was like, oh, I'll just get the inflatable unicorn on its own. It's a great um, idea, Flo. I mean, I it can still happen. It can still happen. Hopefully. I thought you said you were going to get the tattoo actually at half time. Sorry, I thought at half, <laughs> no, like, at in half, half time. time. Just thinking. I mean, that yeah. would be good. Just ring yeah, someone up and like, good. can you come to this bar in Shoreditch and yeah, give exactly. me a tattoo, please? Just put your arm out the window. That's <laughs> Beckham vibes. That's Beckham <laughs> vibes. He's <laughs> a Shalabar. Yep. I, wanted, I wanted to give him love. I think I've got to give Pog. Pogba's got to get flowers for 
that announcement. Can you not cut the bouquet in half? And I'm feeling what two bunches. What do you think, guys? I don't know. I think that's fair. I think we have to give a, a bunch to Chalabra as well because mm. he'd really appreciate it because the journey he's been on. Yeah. Look, let's let's just let's have a moment to recognise because Evan makes a lot of fun about Chelsea and the Lone Rangers, but oh look, gosh, to, yeah, to break through at Chelsea mm. is an absolutely incredible achievement. It's mm. really it's absolutely amazing. It we have to take a moment just to kind of mark that it's because. True. Yeah, it's true. very special. Yeah, and yeah, they're, yeah. they're now at a place now, Chelsea, where we're seeing their elite players. Those players that used to win the Champions League at youth level continually. They're all there. Reese James is there. Christensen's there. You know, it was Tammy Abraham. Unfortunately for him, you know, he's now left. But you can't say he didn't have the opportunities maybe to do it. But he got his opportunity in their first team. He realised his dream. You know, like, and now Trevor Shalaba coming through. Billy Gilmore for me, will have a part to play in Chelsea's future. He's just gone on loan to see how it goes because I could see whatever's happening with Jorginho, probably Billy Gilmore comes in and he fits into that midfield or Kovacic. He does, but at the moment there's no space. But they have to now get credit, Chelsea, for the way that that academy and the fact that they can buy Romelu Lukaku and Ziyech and Kai Havertz and Werner. But there's room now for the, for the progression of academy players is frightening. And this is why coming off of the back of the Brentford game and watching how we played, you know, and yes, people are talking about there was a, 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 a COVID scare and obviously we lost Aubameyang and Lacazette. Totally understand everybody had to have a test, but uh, I don't want to make no excuses because I thought Brentford were fantastic. I thought that Brentford in their first game in their stadium with fans in, you have to be as a as a player going there and a Lon- in a London derby. You have to be ready to match that intensity and that feistiness and that gangster. What they're going to have because they're going to have no respect for you until it you felt show like Upton it. Park. Actually, it felt like it felt like peak Upton Park, West peak Ham, Upton same, Park, same chicken vibes. Run. Yes, you have to go there and you can't shrink. Yeah, you can't shrink. And our problem with us in respect of shrinking was we're trying to play a caliber. Of, we're trying to play a brand of football that it's, it's so methodical that all you have to do is continue to stop it and they'll continue to try doing it. Do you know what it looked we, like? It looked like trying we, to build sandcastles in a hurricane. In a hurricane. That's what they're trying to do. I've done an interview on um, Kenny Wrighty's show with Jay. Jay Harris, Brentford correspondent for The Athletic, magnificent. He literally told us what Brentford were going to do to Arsenal. He told us the day before the game. One thing I will say about this is teams that press like that there's no shame in playing long. There's no shame in it. It's yeah, we've seen City do it. When you have speed of that level, it almost oh, like gosh. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not against playing ugly now and again to get out of a jam. Mm-hmm. Because no, mm-hmm. matter as, no matter how ugly long balls look, if that's what's really, if long balls really look that ugly, it's not as ugly as being pressed on your own goal line and conceding goals like that. It's not as ugly as that. It's not long, yeah. why, where's long ball come from? Just because it's the distance. I've no, seen it's, the des- Pog- it's, the desper- it's the desperation. It's the energy. It's the desperation. Like Pogba hits a long pass. Yes. It gets to it. That's a that's a pass. Yeah, because a pass has a destination, but a long ball flow. If you can back me on this it's one, it's a like, hit and hope. It's, yeah, a, it's exactly, a hail exactly. mary, it's a hit, like no, a, exactly, exactly. yeah. And a that's why we, the, the 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 big Sams of this world, it doesn't yeah. feel like there's much thought process. It's just exactly. go along and just, hope, yeah. the, see what happens. The blunderbuss, exactly. The blunderbuss. Yeah. It's just yeah. you're just you're just blasting it out there. Whatever yeah. it is, it's like approaching ten people with the same line. I really like you. Like you said that to the last person. So <laughs> <laughs> same what energy. To, that's what we used to do in training when we used to play in training, or and then I took it into games. You know what I mean? Like we used to say it in training all the time to everybody, like. 
after the game. I took it into game. I did take it into game after the game when you be, when you've beaten a team and you're being you're being, trying to be magnanimous. But it was hard for me because I was just taking a piss all the time. <laughs> Every single player I, I shook hands with, I said, "You were man of the match for them. Well played." See you. you see exactly, Every, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you say you say you used to do it in training, but I took it into the games. You're an easy man of the match for them. Well played. It's see, just that's, like the long, used to say, that's the long ball. <laughs> that's, that's the long, long ball. ball. I'm just saying. <laughs> it. Don't they all then get to the changing room and are like, yeah. oh, "Righty said I was man of the match." Whew. Yeah, but then they say, "Oh, he's taking the piss," because that's what you are doing. You know what I mean? You take, don't worry, you all the best next week. And then you used to do stuff like that in training, say chain shirts. Just people used to be, Because what happens in training is that people got so vexed because the games used to get so intense when the manager says, right, two teams. And then he says, no, we've got our teams. We know because then what happens is it turns into a thing. So wow. that team wants to beat you now. So yes. now all of a sudden it gets really like this is where the fights and stuff start in training. Because okay. when the games get to that level of Right, no, no, no. The manager's picking the team. We've got the teams now. It's us against you. And it's, and it's, and it's on a weekly basis. That's when it gets when to another level. the teams don't change, yeah, yeah because exactly. people start thinking it's a pecking yeah. order. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so then what happens is, that's when you could say things like that. You were, the, you were man in the match for them. You should come wow. to you should come to our team. Why don't you wow. why don't you stop this fit? Especially if you win a few on the spin, right, Moose? Flo, when you win a few on the spin, you should say, Which, listen, man, let's stop this now. It's getting ridiculous. Let's just mix the teams. Team. Yes, let's mix the teams up properly. I used to shout things like, Gaffer, get somebody to get hold of me for Christ's sake. I'm running riots. Mark me. They can't handle me. <laughs> like a Jordan. Anyway, let's go to the break, man. We spoke a bit about Chelsea. We spoke a bit about Arsenal. So we have to kind of go into the game. A game that I know that Arsenal won twice against Chelsea last year. And... We, it, it did change Arsenal's trajectory a little bit. We, you know, Saka came in, Emma Smith Rowe came in. We kind of started to do do things that people were hoping we could do. In, I should say we started to create, but we are dealing with a totally different animal. We're dealing with that hybrid dinosaur that they created in that last one of those fucking. Jurassic Park films, you know, the one where the dinosaur can get invisible and he's a fucking Tyrannos- <laughs> he's a Tyrannosaurus Rex and a Velociraptor and he's like a million feet tall. We're dealing with a Chelsea team now that are so ready. We saw that. We saw that when Tuchel got there and another, an, an elite manager, he's the next, he's an elite manager off the conveyor belt, the next one. He, we saw when he got there, it's just sorted that defence out. They're just drilled. They're just, uh, they're just absolutely drilled. And then you throw... Romelu Lukaku into that mix of a team that's so confident that this frightens me. Because Romelu Lukaku, and I've got to tell you quickly, because since Romelu's been linked where it was happening, obviously, for me, it's really horrible to be on that side of the on that side of it, because Romelu's talking to me on a consistent basis. Just like when we were doing when he was getting ready to go to Inter Milan or Juventus. Yeah. So I know that it's happening. He's signed, but you know, you have to keep quiet. So all the time I'm thinking, oh, this is fine and that. And when I see how we got beaten against Brentford, mm. knowing that Romelu will definitely be there, but in the press it's saying he hasn't signed yet and this and that, knowing he's going to be... In- Didn't Chelsea release like a statement but almost hours after the, the Arsenal defeat being like, <laughs> Romelu Lukaku will start against Arsenal next weekend. The trolling, the trolling. The it was trolling. within like 12 hours to be like <laughs> licking their lips. It's honestly flow. And I knew that this is going to happen and watched how we played and seen how... Ivan Tony, who I have to say, I'm looking forward to seeing him this season. And Moembo, how they dealt with our defence. And let's face it, Romelu Lukaku, the players that he's now got in front of him and around him, 
It's devastating for any defence. Most teams are going to be chasing shadows against against Chelsea this season. Yeah. And they're going to be chasing Lukaku around the pitch because wow. there's just going to be so many runners. Like, it's just, you, you're, not, you're not going to know what to do. Even mm. Kovacic is running now. This man is running now. This man is liberated. I was like, hey, this man's going forward, having shot some distance. We're seeing players within the Chelsea system. Everyone knows their role so well. And it began with, I've mentioned Rudiger many times, began with Rudiger. When Rudiger started being free, Mm. It went to everyone. Christensen now, and this is the thing, they're coming off, some of these players are coming off outstanding tournaments. Mm. And there's a way that Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea have been like this a while, but there's a thing about Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, right? Mm. When Chelsea are performing at their peak at Stamford Bridge, they are as unstoppable as anything in the Premier League of the last, like, I would say even like 15 years, actually. And I mm. saw that against Palace. It was just the intensity, and some can criticise Vieira and all the rest of it, but actually, the speed they were moving the ball through gaps the spaces they were yeah. finding. And this is without Kai Havertz yes. playing. This is without Ben Chilwell playing, who I think is the superior left-sided player. I think he's the better left wing back and left back, actually. You know, their depth, that's, they're my title favourite just because yeah. Yeah. Yes, every, every, every part, does that make sense, Flo? Every yeah, part yeah. of that team yeah, is working. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm, they're very I'm, in sync. And yeah. I think the only way Arsenal are going to get anything is by really finessing their set pieces, which I don't think many could have hope in, but just targeting them at, at corners. And, and, yeah. and that's maybe the only slight weakness we can try and unravel this season and see if it exists. But that's, that's it. I think we've got a Chelsea now, guys, where they believe that they can win the Premier League. They, they, they believe they can win the Premier League. They should and try and win the Champions League again. They should try and go back to back. In fact, they, I think, are the biggest danger to PSG, I would say. You think Chelsea? Yeah, I think so. Because they have the most, they can solve the most problems. You know, PSG have particular gaps um, within that team. And Chelsea apply pressure. The thing about them and looking at their team the other day, I was thinking they're absolutely airtight. If I look at each part of the Chelsea attack midfield defence, I can't see a gap of more than five, 10 yards in any space when they're playing at their best. Mm. Every gap is closed. You know, there are some teams where you like attack the pressure points. So for City for a while, it was like man Mark Rodri. Um, for PSG, it would be attack the space between Ramos and whichever fullback he's alongside, right? Mm. It's, it's, there's, there's specific gaps. You know they're there before the start of the season. I look at this Chelsea team and I can't, can't see, I can't see obvious can't gaps. See. And you know what I like about the manager, Flo? You look at the manager, when he's on the side, he, he, he looks so, so tunnel, so tunnel He's vision. so intense. So intense. Even in that preseason friendly at the Emirates, yeah, yeah. it was ridiculous. I mean, it was preseason friendly for a mental health charity, and the man was coaching. The man was coaching like it was the Champions League final. Unbelievable intensity. It's I love it. Crazy. Honestly, since he's got here, he's not. He doesn't. He, he doesn't get wrapped up in no noise, outside yeah. noise, or whatever people say about anything. He's just like totally focused on the team, and you look at the team, and they are like Flo said, rightly said, they are so in sync. That you look at it, it's like you can, I mean, like towards when Wenger started to get it, when it's that, that season, just before the Premier League winning season, everybody knew what they were doing. And you just, you, you can look at him and know he's going to play well, he's going to play well, because you're playing in the system and you know that the system works and all I need to do is just continue to play well in the system. We're going to beat teams. Maybe it's about hats though, because Klopp wears a cap, Tuchel <laughs> wears a cap. Maybe Arteta needs to wear a cap. Maybe the magic is in the cap. He needs to do something. And that brings the, what you need out of you. This fearlessness in calling out players. This thing he said, I can't, this quote is rent free in my head. When he said, 
Callum Hudson-Odoi, no more hiding. Oh my God. That is wild that he yeah. said that. That early, it was like, you know, he subbed Callum Hudson-Odoi like twice in, in, the, mm. in the game yeah. that last season. So that says to me, and Moose, he's had a very good chat with him. This is a, and this also is like, this person is like, you know, we saw it with United, like you bring in new players and they're then, the players who are starting and playing with like a great level of fear, like Lindelof oh. knows Varane is there. He plays out of his mind. Yes. Um, Sancho's arrived. All the playmakers are stepping up because they oh. know that man is waiting in the wings. And oh. Hudson now, in terms of the pecking order, took not the kind of person that's afraid to say, oh, by the way, you were second in the pecking order. Now you're fifth. You're behind Ziyech, whoever, whoever. Yeah. Like that is, yeah. Tuchel is that yeah. direct. But mm-hmm. what I love about his management style in the way is it's like, get with it or get off. Get, mm. Yes. And, you know, look, and this is the thing, the thing about him winning the Champions League so early, like in his tenure there, it's like when Mbappe won the World Cup at like, what, in his, as a teenager, no, yeah. you can't really say anything to Tuchel now. Like all that talk about, can he hack it? He doesn't, what do you mean, mm. can he hack it? He's hacked it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what it, what it does to players is, it's ideally what you want is you do not want the team playing out of their skin when you are trying to get into the team and you're vexed about not being able to get in the team, but there's teams that may be linked with you, but the manager doesn't even care about you to the point where, how are you doing? And you're okay. And this, you, you, you're trying to do something. I've seen players do it where they're trying to do something to get the manager's attention, but the managers, I'm not bothered with your foolishness. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, with me, if, you, if you're going to get it, get it done because then you're playing this team, but if you're going to be like foolish and your agent's going to be saying stuff and you're not going to play or train as how I like, I'm not even interested in you. And so when you're walking around and you're walking, you see the manager of the canteen and you see him talking to other players and he's kind of like not giving you that same kind of love because you're not where he needs you to be. And as soon as you are where he needs you to be, he's all over you. But if you're trying to be vexed with him and he's not even paying any attention to you. It's, it's interesting though how you balance that though, how managers balance that because we saw with Mourinho how it becomes so toxic so yeah, quickly yeah. and it's 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 a masterstroke to be able to balance that and not piss people off and mm-hmm. keep that that harmony and that positive energy. So keep competition amongst the players but not alienate anyone. That's yeah. tough. That yeah, is that's, really tough. You know what it's easier? I told you what it's easier when everybody is, is when they're doing it right and they're winning. It's easier yeah, because... Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, when you're winning, yeah. everyone's up for yeah. it, aren't they? You but can't, you can't do anything. a club like Chelsea, it can unravel so quickly, right? Mm. I want to throw something else as well because I've noticed something about Pep. When Pep comes out and gives you astonishing amount of praise, he's getting ready to sell you. <laughs> it's a theory. Right. So he did it with, oh, Aguero's the best. Oh, he's the best. He's so wonderful. Oh and Aguero yeah. was gone. gone. And then Bernardo Silva, was it 2019? He was like, oh my goodness. He said, Bernardo Silva. Mm. Can't imagine anyone better. Defense, attack. Oh my goodness. Everywhere, everywhere. Two years oh later, Bernardo's trying to leave. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I'm spotting a pattern. It's like when Pep gets very excited... You know, like, you know, we're like in the, in the UK when everyone's clapping for the NHS. I'm like, they're going to cut yeah. their money. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's what Pep like, is. Why are you rewarding me? You're giving me a prize. I'm talking about um, Pep, just quickly, just got to mention. I watched that game, and there was something. Well, I, I said I, I use analogy. I said this is like, this is like the rebellion beating when Tottenham beat City in that game. It's like the end of the Star Wars film when Ewoks and everything happened, and the rebellion beat the Empire. When they beat that, I felt that because there was right, some- TC3PO, the Ewoks, Dark <laughs> Thank you. you know, you see it because- well, the ghost there as well. All it was, Obi-Wan all it was, yeah, you know I mean, all of it. Because the thing with it is, Flo, is that Man City came in there and, you know, they came in there like when I saw the start of Star Wars for the first time at the cinema, where the, where the, where the spaceship comes over the top 
and it yeah. goes on forever. That's how they arrived at Tottenham. The Star Destroyer. And, and they've come with that massive Star Destroyer, but they're coming to take your main man as well. Yes, yes. And so it really did seem like, oh my God, poor Spurs. That's what it felt like. You know, and then what did Spurs do? Spurs beat them, bro. Yes. Spurs beat it. them. And it's, it's one of those, again, it's, a, it's one of those results where you have to say, that needed to happen. I don't know if it needed to happen for the Man City players. It needed to happen for the Spurs players, for sure, knowing that they're looking to take, that their main man wants to go to that team, but we are capable of beating them. Yes, we know that when he's there, it's a different story, but we've got to, we've got to put down something. We have to do something. We're right up against it, but we have to do something. And they beat them. And I was quite pleased because we know that City will get themselves going and City will be one of the main contenders but it's good for Spurs to beat them. And I was quite pleased about that. When you know your man's having an affair, but you've got to turn up to the club and look hot and then you get it done. That was that game. <laughs> wow. I felt that in my core. No, I felt no, because actually, no, because I had a spiritual, because that's also a sense of, it's a sense of a public duty, isn't it? It's a public duty, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Oh they've got to prove God. that they've still got it. That oh they don't my. need, they don't need that man. They've still got it. Massive tragedy in the in the striking world, um, football strikers world. Gerd Muller passed, yeah. And I've got to say, it was one of the. I was devastated when I heard the news. I remember first hearing about Gerd Muller, just leading into the, the, the seventy, like the seventy four World Cup, and how prolific he was in it, and how great he was a goal scorer. And I remember as well, Moose, when I found out that Gerd Muller, we were born on the same day. It almost gave me the, the yes, it's going to happen for me. Wow. But when I watched him, the first time I watched him, I think I was 11. Um, and it was the, the World Cup and obviously he scored all these goals. But Moose, all these goals in the box, in and around the box, the sniffing. And then when I really went back and looked at Gerd Muller, like what he, how he, where he came from, what's it called? Nordlingen. Nordlingen, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and um, in, in his first men's team, he scored something like 47 goals in 28 games. You know what I mean? And I remember they said, the guys, he's, he, he, he used, they used to play on cobblestones. And when you watch some of Gerd Muller's goals and the way he reacts in the box, you can imagine him playing on cobblestones and the ball bouncing differently for him to have to deal with where it's going to land, where it's going to go to finish how he did. You, you see know? it with his goal in the final, in the, oh, the World man. Cup winner in the final, yes. where he, he went behind him. Yeah, he says there's three defenders that come around him. So what he does is he takes the wrong m motion to throw them off. Back, it goes, yeah. He goes backwards. back instead of across. And the, and, the, and the touch he takes is almost like, you see it in tennis, just before someone like Federer hits a forehand winner, it's the footwork before the winner. Mm -hmm. So it's that, that he sets himself and then like these three players are just gone. And then he's like, I swivel and I'm, I'm in the corner. And it's, I would say with, if anyone ever asks about Gerd Müller, I would say, imagine mm. if Romario was German. Yes. That's the comparison I would draw. Like it's, it's uncanny. Even the, even the touch, the acceleration, it's very Romario. The only weird thing is Muller was even better, but gets less props than Romario. It's mm. weird. I think, yeah, maybe that's simply because of the Brazilian aspect, because they yeah. do get a lot more love from everybody just because of the, the attitude in which they play the game with the love and the, it's almost like they're at a, they're at a party. It's, it's more romantic, probably. isn't it? Yeah. Like, Whereas German is more, it's more, you know, it's efficient. more efficient and clinical. And what I love about him is that he made me realize that 
being that sharp in the box is just as important as being outside the box scoring 20, 30 yard goals. It's just Can I like, have a hot take actually? I think, that, I think that Germany really suffered from the perception of Germany, obviously, you know, West Germany, you know, post-war. A lot of that football they played was actually really beautiful mm. and really brave. Like, you know, Franz Beckenbauer, one of the most elegant footballers. But I think because yeah. Germany had this whole, like this national identity of, you know, the war and everything, Mm. We saw them through the lens of efficiency, but actually what they did, if you put, if you basically put a Brazilian, sh a Brazil shirt on Franz Beckenbauer, you'd be like, yeah. oh my goodness, he was Socrates. You put a Brazil yeah. shirt on, does that make sense? Absolutely. Were, and yeah, Paul yeah. Breitner as a fullback was you oh, know, flamboyant, Breitner. swashbuckling. Yeah. And also the thing we forget as well, the myth of Bayern, Bayern's a legendary club now, right? But mm -hmm. at the time, it still wasn't at the level yeah. it's now. Like no, he no, no. did a lot of that. Like, this, Absolutely. Absolutely. I saw this amazing documentary where Minidoc and Gerd Müller basically wanted, his club was Nuremberg and he was desperate mm. to play for them. He was desperate and they never made an offer. Wow. They never made an offer. So he went to Bayern instead and they were Bayern at that point, like with a regional division, got them promoted and the rest is history. But if Nuremberg, made, that's a big what if, if Nuremberg made an offer for Gerd Müller, world football would be completely different. I think, as well, when, I think that when he was young, it was Bayern and I think it was Schalke might have been. Who, who went wow. to see him. I think it might have been who went to see him to sign him. And then obviously he chose Bayern. And then he went on to obviously just 13 trophies. Like he like top goal scorer five times on a spin in the league. Three, like what, three Champions Leagues on a spin? Yeah. Won the Euros, winning oh on the God. Euros final, winning on the World Cup the final. World Cup. Scored in every single final he played in. Gerd Muller. I'd love people to just look him up. We're talking about a machine. Honestly, his thighs, his thighs were, I thought Mark Hughes had the big, he had right. twice the size of Mark Hughes' thighs. He was short. They used to call him like, he was like a square box. That's what he was like. But once he got that ball in the box, he's manoeuvring it somewhere to score. You can get some of the the sexiness of that German era. I was looking at that this morning with a really nice piece that the Guardian had done, which is just Muller's life in pictures. Mm -hmm. And wow. there's all that, swagger of football in the 70s you know yeah. big fur coats yes open, open shirts open yeah. shirts yeah, and he was in films in germany like yeah. he was he was taking over hollywood like he was he was such a big star and i think it's really important to remember that as well as the stuff on the pitch because i think you forget yeah. that side that made football so incredible yeah because it's Germany, we don't get that. I bet a lot of yeah. people wouldn't yeah, even yeah, known yeah, exactly. about the film stuff. And the fact that, that in those 70s, I bet if you looked at the Dutch side in the 70s and the way they dressed and everything, the German players would probably have been the same. But for some reason, people will gravitate more towards the Dutch okay, can or I say anybody this? else. I'm angry about this. I'm still angry about this. I want to say this. I'm sorry to like <laughs> bring a grievance with a grudge. No, bring it, man. Bring it. For years. Okay. <laughs> we had a football tournament in Italy um, uh, about three, four years ago, about, well, about four years ago. And it was a group of writers in different countries. Had England, it was a, England, Sweden, Germany, and Italy, right? The Germans turned up. Okay, I'm angry about this still. Because the English turned up, we like, we've got our kit bags. The Germans turned up and they basically looked like film stars. Wow. And they were all like screenwriters and music. I'm sorry, I'm really bitter, sorry. But they looked like 1970s World Cup winners. Yeah. And it was embarrassing. Do you know, I have to say this, this is why I've never, I've never slipped from my drip ever since, because ever mm. since that moment, <laughs> never slipped out the door. Because Just you're never in ready. case it's on five aside, you need to be there. You're ready never ready because the Germans will turn up and they, they'll be operating at a level that is above and beyond. And I, yes. I, was, I stood there with my kit bag and I looked around. I was almost like, I almost felt like going, I don't know these people. 
and the english and the brits we just turn up like ragtag we look like an absolute yeah. shower and these i really, just bought these trainers us. from sports direct last week it's, yeah, it's the same us. as it's the same though i don't know what that what it is with the kind of disrespect and the kind of the, the way they feel about german it's like with thomas muller thomas muller and thomas muller's goal scoring record and thomas muller himself says you know, when Gerd Muller was at, um, at Bayern and he's tr- coaching and doing stuff, he says some of the things that he learned from him, you could yes. see it in the way yeah, Thomas there's a, Muller... There's, a, there's such a cute picture in that yeah. article I mentioned of them yeah. together. Oh, wow. it's, it wow. nearly made me cry. It just is. The, the joy on, on, um, on uh, New Muller's face yeah. is just like... Just being amongst him. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine how they feel about, like, Gerd Muller? It's probably how a young Brazilian would feel about R9. Or a young Portuguese player will yeah. feel about about Ronaldo, or how Brazilians feel about Ronaldinho and stuff like that. Can you imagine Germans that they really feel about Gerd Müller, like the players, top players? There are some people that should never leave home, and Gerd Müller was. There was a great bit in the documentary that talks about his life after football, and he really struggled. He struggled a lot, like you know, mm. with drink, but that was a symptom of the problem. But he really mm. struggled with that isolation. And this is someone that was at Bayern and just. There are some players who just give them a job. You have to keep at the forever. training ground as soon as yeah, just, and mm. and the, the actual the actual Bayern players, which is quite moving, did an intervention. Like three or four of them, I think Breitner, mm. Beckenbauer, and I think Hernes, mm. they went and they were like, "Good, come mm. and get help." Like, yes. come to the club, and they basically were like, "Just stay within the environment," mm. because it was almost like he helped to build Bayern, and Bayern helped build him, and they had this mm. relationship that was so powerful and symbiotic. And mm. you see certain you know people now like like Matthias Sammer or Zork at Dortmund where you're just part of that fabric. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that like was the that. thing. And what was quite beautiful about his story was by the end of his life, he knew how loved he was. That's nice. Does that make sense? And I think it's I really so. important. Yeah, I think, that's, I, I, look, I'm, I, I get quite sentimental about this stuff, but I really think like your greatest assets as a club are your players, right? They are the folklore, they're the legend. Like, my personal view on this stuff is that there are, there are players that should just have like, like a pension, basically. They At should just have club. a pension. No matter like if they're like 1960s, whatever, like those in seventies, they should, should, they should track them down and give Mm -hmm. them pensions because it's no skin off the club's nose, Mm -hmm. but it builds that you're taking care of your heritage. Yeah. They they got them where they were today. And also when you look at, he got Alzheimer's and when you look at what's happening with footballers of that era and Mm. that disease, you know, that, that enhances that, that argument to say, you know, you need to support them for what they gave to take right. your yeah, club yeah, yeah. to where yeah. it is now. Yeah, Not just, you know, wheeling them out every now and again on the pitch once a year for some kind of ambassador yeah. role, like actually yeah. something, you know? Actually care for them. Absolutely yeah. agree. agree. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's got, I, I honestly, I love him. And you know what I mean? I just, uh, rest in peace, my friend, my hero. So that's it guys. In fact, I, I think we're going to have to, um, we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave the house because I've got I've got stuff happening. As you saw <laughs> earlier <laughs> on, with my with my daughter coming in, talking like she's just in a in a, a friend's room. So I'm gonna have to leave you guys. Flo, what a wonderful addition you've been. I know it's the first one. People are talking about. Yeah, but it's the first one. It's the first game of the season. Yeah, but you're just saying that. I know. I now know what you're like. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're our Pogba. You're gonna be bought the because you're gonna be our oh, consistent you're too Pogba. Kind. Thank you very much. I think that easily in all the righties' house, the analogy of having to look hot when you know your boy is killed. Everything that we, that's the levels. I love it. But we'll speak again. Take it easy. So that's it for righties' house. Thanks to Musa Konga and um, Flo. Flo's amazing. Thank you so much 
Flo Lloyd Hughes and her first one. She's amazing. Um, we'll be back next week um, with more stuff and I look forward to seeing you. I'm, I'm still quite excited about the season, but we'll talk about it next week. <laughs>